Welcome everyone to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for two decades. Today we closely follow third generation driver Ryan Blaney who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, we're back again with an all new episode of the Team Blaney Podcast and we've had a couple of weeks of podcast vacation i guess you can call it yeah i posted all my uh, vacation pictures on instagram just like all the drivers <laughs> I all went, the all the sites you went to see i went through the mcdonald's uh, drive through a couple times and uh, got a pizza once or twice yeah it was kind of bad the last couple weekends um, the olympics are on the wife is definitely watching the olympics and and all those great competitions but man we could have raced something somewhere you know it's been tough, and I'll tell you what I did. Um, I started watching the Formula One documentary on Netflix, which if you have Netflix and you kind of know a little bit about Formula One, give it some time. It's called Drive to Survive. Um, a lot of people have been talking about it for the last few years because it's they're three seasons into this thing. And I knew a little bit more about Formula One maybe four or five years ago. I kind of got into the video game side of it briefly, so I just got to know drivers' names. The biggest thing for me was just the way my job worked at the time was just being able to wake up early enough on a Sunday morning to even catch part of the race. So I started watching Drive to Survive and then led all the way up to this past weekend uh, watching an actual race for the first time since basically my yearly ritual of watching Monaco, uh, which as a race fan when it was a part of that big day with the Coke 600 and the Indy 500 and then Monaco was in the morning. That was pretty much the only time I was watching a formula one race. So spent a lot of time watching the documentary, watched some of the racing. I've been finding myself reading articles about formula one the last couple of weeks. And um, I will say getting more of an appreciation for it. It's really easy as a NASCAR fan to just be like, Oh, team orders and only the top 10 get points and yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Um, all that typical stereotypical stuff, I should say, but watching the documentary kind of opened my eyes into actually everything that goes into that version of motorsports. So I don't know how much, how familiar you are with formula one at all. Didn't they all crash going into turn one last weekend? <laughs> that, that, that did happen. That happens actually quite frequently. Yeah. They, were um, where they, they, they have the option to put certain tires on just like NASCAR does with certain tracks, but, uh, uh road courses. And uh, they all had their slicks on, and they went down to turn one at the start of the race, and whoops, about six or eight of them. So you know what? You can watch one of those races, and you'll see some stuff uh, just like you'll see in an NASCAR race, really. Sure, and it's really interesting. I mean, the strategies are totally different. Um, The way they do do qualifying is different. Um, But it was fun. It helped fill those two weeks. Also, my wife and I, um, we've been going to our local asphalt track down in Florida called Citrus County Speedway. Um, always, always, always an entertaining time at that track. Uh, plenty, uh, I I don't know. I think every driver there pretty much goes by the Rubens racing mentality and there's always lots of fireworks and that was no different these past couple of weeks. So, um, hopefully a lot of people got out there and supported their local short tracks during this time off from NASCAR. But again, I can't say enough about if you want to learn a little bit more about formula one, definitely check out that documentary series that's on Netflix. And, uh, yeah, just made me appreciate things a lot more and 
just kind of got me ready to go for this weekend. So, you know, usually it's Sunday morning, first off. So it is a kind of a cool way to start the day before you get to the NASCAR race. But it's only 10 teams of two. So there's not a like, uh, you know, this four car team and this three car team, this five car team and or whatever. It's 10 teams of two. And one of the teams is is uh, is is uh, Haas Racing. Yes. Which is uh, Stuart Stuart Haas in NASCAR circumstance, but Haas Racing. Uh, and he just started two, three years ago. So uh, I think they have two new drivers this year, too. So they're they're really it's amazing because it kind of reminds me of back in the day watching Dave when Dave was not in very good rides where Dave will have a race and he'll finish 15th or 14th. And we think that's a great race because the, the equipment's not that good. Well, Haas is the same way in uh, formula one where if they finished 10th and get that one point, that's huge for them, yep. you know? Yeah. Uh, so there are some things, some stories like that. If you start to follow it and follow more than just one guy, uh, more than just Lewis Hamilton, um, there's a lot of good storylines in there and uh, it's the international part of it is great because they go to all these different exotic countries across the world. So yeah, Formula One, uh, I can watch it. I, res- I respect it so much more. It sounds weird just because of watching a documentary series, but um, it really opens your eyes. It goes a lot into Gene Haas's Formula One team and how they kind of did things differently. They came in and they're buying their their chassis and all their parts and all this stuff from other people and kind of assembling this team um, kind of like maybe kind of how NASCAR is going to be next year where they're kind of buying all their parts and pieces and then assembling. So, um, I don't know, really cool. I don't want to talk about formula one the whole thought, time, but give it a I chance. Was, I was going to say, uh, th- this past weekend was hungry, right? And yes. I, I think that's the track that Ryan and chase went to a couple of years ago and watched, watched a race. So yeah, they did go over there. I think those guys, uh, they keep an eye on it too. And, and I, I think that, that they would love to actually drive one of those cars at some point if they could, I could definitely see Ryan doing it. Looks cool, looks so cool, and then obviously, as we know, it's very those car open, all those open wheel cars are very dangerous. So, makes for some excitement. But speaking of excitement, Ryan Blaney weekend preview, Watkins Glen International. One NASCAR's back. Two, we're going road racing. Three, it's at Watkins Glen International, which is one of my favorite road course tracks. Just going back because it was one of the two kind of original for me as a NASCAR fan uh, looking forward to the summer and seeing them go to Watkins Glen because they only went to Watkins Glen in Sonoma, but you know, kind of when I started. So it's kind of like a high speed um, just seems like a little bit different. It's almost like a, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a super speedway road course because it's not like, you know, full of tons of turns and stuff, but they kind of have some big sweeping high speed areas. And um, I don't know. It's really fun track. And have you been to Watkins Glen? I'm not sure. No, no, that's that's uh, not yet. Bucket list track. Oh, they're all they're all. Oh, on they're the board. all. That's uh, right. <laughs> there, uh, we have we have a pegboard of the United States, and we put the pins in it for each one we go to. So uh, we'll be adding the uh, the Indianapolis pin in two weeks here. Oh but yeah, Watkins that's right. Been prob- Watkins been probably the next year or two because it's really not that far a drive from here. Yeah, so that's a good point. So NASCAR Cup Series is going road racing for two straight weeks. They're heading to Watkins Glen this week and then off to the Indy road course for the first time, kind of replacing the traditional Brickyard 400 with a road course race at Indianapolis. But this weekend specifically, you can tune in Sunday, August 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern time for the Go Bowling at the Glen. You can watch the race on NBCSN and you can listen to it on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. 
There's three stages in this race. The first stage ends at 20 laps, second at 40, and the checkered flag falls at 90 laps, 220.5 miles for this NASCAR Cup Series race. And if you go ahead and take a look at Ryan Blaney's statistics at Watkins Glen, it's been a little bit up and down. Again, we've only gone there once a year, and then we actually missed Watkins Glen last year because the state of New York kind of was shut down. People couldn't travel in and out. They had to quarantine, so they skipped the race last year. So Ryan has made four starts at this road course in New York. Uh, 2016, he finished 19th. 2017, got a top 10, finished 8th. 2018, he finished 12th, and the last time the Cup Series visited that track was in 2019. He started 19th and finished 5th. So, average finish of 11th at Watkins Glen. Ryan's had a little bit of an up-and-down year when it comes to road course racing, but prior to this has a really good uh, road course resume. um, I was looking at the statistical things, and one of them is he did lead some laps back in 17 there. And um, green flag passes, which is an interesting stat that that you can find on Racing Reference. Um, Last year, he had 59 green flag passes. So, um, you know, getting up through the field, um, he's pretty good at it. Or two years ago, I'm sorry, uh, that, uh, you know, 59 green flag passes. So getting up through the field is is not going to be a problem. But the great thing about this week's race is, according to Bob Pockross, uh, he's going to start third. So, you know, all the Penske boys are up in the front. Yep. And, One, uh, two, three for loaded. Penske. Yeah, locked and loaded. Let's uh, get by the other two guys and lead some laps, you know. Yeah, definitely looking forward to this weekend. Great starting position. Um, I guess they just got to make sure it, it all comes together. You kind of have to have a perfect race, perfect strategy, got to stay on course. Um, really kind of watch how you hit some of those turns and the turtles and in these various aspects when it comes to road course racing, because it can be very hard on equipment. And Ryan's had some issues in the past with equipment on road courses. Um, most notably, I can't remember if it was the Glen or Sonoma where, uh, he lost his power steering and ran a, a, a decent chunk of the race without power steering. And that I'm sure was a feat, uh, in its own, in its own right. So, um, um, be interesting to see uh, the pit pitting situation this week, next week also, because it, it, we will be pitting the other side of the car, both both places. Uh, the pit lane goes the other direction. So, um, you know, the guys are going to have to hop over the wall and do the other side first. Um, it shouldn't make too big of a difference, but uh, it is a little bit awkward because you're, you're, you're used to coming into the car a certain way. So these next two weeks, you're going to see a lot, a lot different pit stops. Yeah, and I'm hoping the teams have had, uh, the, especially the pit crews, have had some time these, this past week at least. I mean, hopefully those guys got a little bit of time off this past week, at least in their training, to focus a lot of time on running around the car uh, in a different direction, different timing, uh, changing a different side. It'll be definitely a little bit different. Why don't we take a look back at the last several winners at Watkins Glen, and why don't we just go all the way back to... A teammate's victory in 2015, Joey Logano went to victory lane. 2016, Denny Hamlin won. 2017, Martin Truex Jr. won. And then the reigning NASCAR Cup Series champion, Chase Elliott, has won the last two races at Watkins Glen. Including what I think probably his one of the first victories of his career came there at Watkins Glen too. So obviously Chase is going to be a favorite for this race. Um, 
this year, I mean, there's it's kind of been a little bit all over the board. Who you who do you think are the favorites outside of obviously we think Ryan's going to do pretty well. Anybody else in this field that you think has a shot to maybe dethrone Chase from taking a third straight win at the Glen? Well, you 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 give Joey Logano a track position to start the race. Um, that's a dangerous thing because we know he's good when he's in front of you at keeping you from getting around him. So uh, Joey's really the guy I want to look at. Um, like I said, because he's starting up there, you know he's not afraid to ruffle feathers. And once once he gets in front of you, he becomes very difficult uh, to pass. He's he's the younger Ryan Newman, basically, <laughs> right now. Let's take a look at just the top 10 finishers in that last race at Watkins Glen. Obviously, Chase Elliott won the race. Uh, but you're going to see a lot of familiar names here from road course racing when it comes to the Cup Series. Martin Truex Jr., who's won three races this year, but has been kind of quiet recently. So he finished in second that last time. Denny Hamlin was third. Eric Jones was fourth in the 20 car uh, when he was with Joe Gibbs. In fifth, Ryan, obviously, we talked about that. Ryan Blaney had a top five the last time they were there. In sixth position was Matt Benedetto, and he did that in the number 95 car. So a lot of people talk about Matt being a really good road course racer. I think this is actually one of the races that people point to, kind of remembering what he was able to do in that Levine family racing number 95. Seventh was Kevin Harvick. Eighth was Kyle Larson. Larson had it in the bag at Coda, I think, before that caution kind of came out at the end and saved Chase Elliott and his fuel mileage. Um, he's been a little bit quieter the last few weeks after kind of dominating that kind of middle stretch of the early part of the season. Well, um, not, not not quiet on dirt right now, though. No, no. No, he won a late model race. A big, <laughs> yeah, a big one. A big too. one. So, yeah. So, a pretty – he continues to be impressive. Ninth was uh, current – and soon-to-be former Team Penske teammate Brad Keselowski, and 10th, uh, another former Team Penske driver in Kurt Busch. So Kyle Busch was 11th, so just outside the top 10, but Kyle is another one that has been performing really well of late just in general, but also on the road courses. So if I'm going to pick some guys to look for this weekend, obviously you you took them right off the bat, Joey Logano, um, Chase Elliott, I think you, you're you're looking for somebody. I don't want to jump the gun and go to fantasy just yet, but that's another one. Ryan Blaney has a decent shot with this track position that they have, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see somebody like a Kurt Busch who um, has run really well in at least various parts of road course races this year. Um, he's another guy that can come up there, and we'll see. We'll see exactly how things shake out, but, I mean, just overall, just excited. We had this two-week break from NASCAR racing, but now – 14 straight weeks of cup series racing all the way through Phoenix. No more breaks. So hopefully you're, you're buckled up and you're ready to go. Four weeks to the playoff start. That's, you know, so let's get a couple more bonus points here. Win a stage or two, set yourself up for that first round. Um, That's the things to look out for in the next couple weeks, you know, all right. So once again, if you want to watch this weekend, Sunday, August 8th, Go bowling at the Glen, 3 p.m. Eastern time on NBCSN, the cable network, and then MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio if you want to list it on the radio. This week in NASCAR history. Steve, it's that time again to take a trip through the history of NASCAR. And first up, we have August 7th, 1966. Richard Petty edges Buddy Baker to win the Dixie 400 at Atlanta International Raceway, an event marred by controversy. 
Points leader David Pearson's Dodge is ruled illegal and doesn't start the race, while Junior Johnson's Ford, driven by Fred Lorenzen, is permitted to compete despite unapproved aerodynamic enhancements. NASCAR President Bill France admits that rules were bent at Atlanta, but adds he was hoping the lax rules would lure Ford drivers back into NASCAR racing. Up next, we have August 6, 1972. Independent driver James Hilton enjoys the finest day of his career by taking a narrow victory over Ramo Stott. Hopefully I said that right. In the Talladega 500, new tires introduced by Goodyear fail to withstand the high-speed punishment and eliminate most of the favorites. Moving on to August 4th, 1974, NASCAR makes its first appearance at Pocono International Raceway, and Richard Petty prevails in the Purolator 500, which is shortened to 480 miles due to rain. Sprint car icon Jan Opperman finishes 8th in a Chevrolet. Up next, we have August 2nd, 1981. Rookie Ron Bouchard passes Daryl Waltrip and Terry Labonte in the final stretch to win the Talladega 500. The lead cars finish three abreast as Bouchard wins in his 11th career start. And then finally, in this week in NASCAR history, August 6, 1994, sophomore Jeff Gordon leads the final five laps and holds off Brett Bodine to win the inaugural Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. More than 340,000 trackside spectators watch Gordon claim his second career victory. Well, Steve, I think that's just about it. You you missed one. Uh Uh-oh. Breaking news. Breaking news. What did I miss? August 3rd, 2013. Ryan Blaney wins at Pocono Raceway in the truck series in the Pocono Mountains 125 for uh, owner Brad Kozlowski in the Cooper Standard Performance Products Ford. Ooh, win number two, right, of his career? Yes. Career number two win in the truck series. I do remember watching that race. <laughs> <laughs> My wife was there. Ah, uh, where were you? You had not um, met yet. <laughs> not met yet, no. Not in the picture just yet. Why don't we pull up the, let's pull up the finishers from that race. So that's the 2013 Camping World Pocono Mountains 125. August 3rd, 2013. Obviously, like you just said, Ryan Blaney started six. Wins the race in the number 29. Second place, Miguel Paluto. Third, Herman Quiroga. Fourth, Joey Coulter. Joey Coulter. Fifth, Ross Chastain. Sixth, Ron Hornaday Jr. Seventh, a young Bubba Wallace. Eighth, Matt Crafton. Ninth, Brendan Gaughan. Tenth, Brennan Newberry. Other people in this race that are interesting. Todd Bodine. Jeb Burton. Norm Benning. Norm Benning. Still going strong. Mm-hmm. John West Townley. You remember John West Townley? I remember John West Townley, yeah. Getting a fight. I was going to say a caution flag remembers John West Townley. Yes. Um, <laughs> so there. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for interjecting there. So I guess that's it for this week in NASCAR history. Tune in again next week where I and sometimes Steve will take you on a trip through the history of NASCAR. All right, Steve, I kind of jumped the gun there in the middle of our Watkins Glen preview, um, talking about some drivers to look for for this weekend's race at the road course. But we could kind of slide that conversation over into our just update on the standings in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. So coming into this weekend's race, the Go Bowling at the Glen, the top 10 
in points in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League are as follows. In first, we have Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing at 4,363 points. In second, we have Doug K0525 with 4,359. In third, we have Moon Cup. In fourth, we have Blaney Kicks Beep. In fifth, we have my man Mez12 with 4,213 points. In sixth, we have Glitterbugs. In seventh, we have Rogue Tough. In eighth, we have Go Larson. In ninth, we have Vans12. And rounding out the top ten in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League point standings, we have the Dalai Lama 4 with 4,112 points. And bringing up the rear in 22nd position, we have my team, Team Blaney Admin, with 3,841 points. Just ran through a couple segments ago, just some of the drivers to look for. If you have some starts left for Ryan Blaney this year, I know we're coming down to the last few races before the playoff cutoff. Ryan starts in the third position. Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, the Penske teammates are also starting up front alongside Ryan. Chase Elliott has won two straight races at Watkins Glen. So, again, if you're still holding on to some of these uh, kind of bigger-name drivers like I have all year long while Steve was using them on the front side of things, I think, uh, that you're kind of seeing <laughs> the Adam train kind of chugging back along again, trying to trying to gain some points, do, points positions do they, here. Um, do they reset in four weeks, though, the number of usages at the end of the regular season? It does reset. It does okay, reset. Good. I don't know if you can only get a certain okay, amount again or a, not, but, like, yeah five or something like that i think yeah maybe you can't Four use them the whole the whole way through but right um it will reset so um, okay if you're out of yeah. ryan picks don't worry he's going to be back in your your lineup again when it comes to the first round of the playoffs so yeah um anyone else specifically are there any, any dark horses maybe that you think matt de benedetto we talked about him running uh in the top 10 there with levine family racing the last time we were at watkins Glen. is he somebody to consider he's got to prove a lot now at this point you know, Brad's on the point. You know, we yep. totally skipped off Brad, uh, not mentioning that he's starting on the pole. So, I mean, there's no reason he can't just go wire to wire, too, you know, depending on where cautions happen and, and circumstances happen on pit, pit cycles. I mean, he could uh, he could just carve it up and have a great day and, and everybody be behind him all day long. That's possible. You talked a little bit about Joey Logano also being another one that can get track position if he has the ability to get out front. Uh, definitely can maybe possibly block his way to a victory. Um, really, really good when it comes to on any track, really kind of driving out of his rearview mirror there and, and ending up in victory lane. So um, lots of possibilities when it comes to this weekend's race at Watkins Glen. Now I just brought up, um, just kind of moving on, I just brought up Matt Benedetto's name. And I know we've had a podcast since, I think since the announcement had come out, but we haven't really had that much time to kind of catch up with some of the team Blaney or well team Penske uh, news. So obviously that, that news came down. Matt DeBeno is going to Benedetto is going to be out of the Wood Brothers car, which we kind of knew that was announced last year. There's that slight glimmer of hope that maybe he would end up in the two car or stay in the 21 because Brad Keselowski was rumored to go to Rash Fenway racing. Well, now that's no longer a rumor. It's official. Uh, with a press conference that they held at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, sending Brad over there to drive the number six car next season. So that opened up that seat in the two car. Again, I think we may have talked about it a little bit before. A lot of people thought there's a chance that Ryan would move to the number two just because the number two is seen as a flagship car, all that kind of stuff. You said no, probably not, because Ryan has his own brand. Joey's kind of built his own brand in the 22, Ryan in the 12. So we have Austin Sindrick moving into that number two car. 
And then, kind of out of left field, didn't see this one coming, was Harrison Burton, who has been a very accomplished driver in the Xfinity Series, will be making the jump to the Cup Series, probably at a good time when a brand new car is going to be launched, and this Team Penske and adjacent teams will have two brand new rookie drivers in Austin Sindrick and Harrison Burton starting in the Cup Series next year. What are your overall thoughts, and where does Matt Benedetto land? What do you think? Uh, Matt, I can't. I can't really tell what's going to happen. I know that he's trying to trying to find something, um, but you know, Burton coming along says a lot about Toyota messing up the deal because, excuse me, Toyota just doesn't have enough rides at the Cup Series level to put him anywhere, and uh, he he's ready. You know, just like Austin, and that's the other thing, Austin Cindric. Um, you really want to watch him the next uh, bunch of weeks here down the stretch because he's racing for another title. You know, he won one. He can win another one here, and he looks really strong. So the, the youth is a good thing. And like I said before, Brad, uh, Brad uh, you know, moving on, uh, you know, kind of hurts a little bit because you get that institutional knowledge that he has that uh, is always good to have. Um, but just like them switching all the crew chiefs around two year, you know, two years ago, um, they treat all the teams the same. Uh, they're not one of those ones where they have any kind of pecking order or one car is prepared any better or any different than any other car. Um, and, and changing the crew chiefs around, it really actually helped strengthen the program because what it did was it took all the different philosophies and made them work with other people with different philosophies and when they bring that as notebooks together on Monday and go through all that stuff, they, they learn tons of things. And you can tell, um, especially COVID is kind of one of the weird situations, but all these tracks that we're going to with no qualifying and no practice, um, when the Penske cars start the race, no matter where they're at, within the first part of the race, they move themselves right up. And it's, it's really kind of exciting because we'll see what these newer guys will be able to do with that equipment. And like you said, a newer car. So the notebooks are all out the window too next year. So um, it should be a lot of fun to see, see what happens next season with all that. Yeah, definitely sad to see Matt Benedetto go. Um, this was kind of his big shot. You can, you can say, you know, this year specifically was really kind of a, a do-or-die year for his career, and they had just horrible, horrible luck the first several races of the season. So hopefully Matt lands on his feet again and at least a decent ride. Seeing Brad go is is very bittersweet, and it's not like I'm, you know, a huge Brad Keselowski fan, but uh, very knowledgeable guy. Um I know he and Joey are kind of neck and neck a little bit for what you consider maybe the leader of the Team Penske team, but, um, you know, just kind of the elder statesman uh, of Team Penske at this point, but also the guy that I know Roger Penske has had a lot to do with it as well, but the guy that gives Ryan Blaney his first major break. Again, Dave and Tommy Baldwin got Ryan into the Xfinity series, Nationwide series at the time, to kind of at least kind of give him a little bit of an audition, but he catches Brad Keselowski's eye. He's the guy that, that gets him into his truck series team. Um, Ryan wins his first NASCAR races under the BKR banner. So he done, he's done so much for Ryan Blaney's career that it's, it's bittersweet to see him go, but he wants to be an owner again. And this time in the cup series and Roger Penske kind of made it pretty clear. That's not really how our structure works here, uh, which I can understand because between Penske Corp and team Penske and all this stuff, it's, it's kind of huge and corporate. So 
he he found a place where he can go at, at Roush Fenway wait Roush Fenway Racing or whatever they're gonna end up renaming it at some point uh, to kind of move along in his career in that direction. So sad to see Brad go. Excited to see what Austin Austin Cedric can do. He's another one of those guys that early on um, definitely had that was stereotyped and just being a road course racer because that's kind of what his background was. He raced all over the world and road courses came into the Xfinity series. His most of his early success was all on road courses, but then last year something changed and he kind of tore up the series winning on ovals multiple times, multiple oval victories again this year. He's the defending Xfinity series champion and has a really, really good shot of backing that up before he heads to the cup series next season. So Again, I think that clears up most of that talk. Uh, Ryan Blaney did have some media availability going into this weekend's race at Watkins Glen. Gave a little bit of an update on his crew chief search. Didn't give too many details out there. Said that they're still looking. Said that he himself has a few guys in mind. And Steve, you can talk to this since you religiously listen to the radio communication between Ryan and Todd and Josh every week. But Ryan kind of said one of the biggest things that he's looking for is kind of that calming voice in his ear. Ryan admittedly has said he gets pretty fired up on the radio sometimes, and he's thought the way that Todd and Jeremy and and any of his previous crew chiefs have always kind of been that yin to his yang, Uh, just someone that can kind of bring him back down in the moment and get him back focused on racing. I've heard, uh, heard communications in the last month or two that were very, very interesting where uh, you know, loose in, tight off, or tight in, loose off type of things. And um, Todd would give him two scenarios and let him choose. You know, so Ryan's communication is really well, going well with, with the crew chief, you know, uh, as a whole over his you know, career. And he's getting better and better at it to the point where he can describe exactly what he needs to the crew chief and the crew chief can trust Ryan enough to give him, okay, what do you want? Do you want to improve this? Or do you want to improve that? One will improve this type of thing. One will improve that and, and let Ryan make the choices. So um, having that kind of good working relationship with somebody will be the key to, to all of it. You know, hopefully um, whoever it is, whether they move, you know, I know a lot of people like to have Jeremy back, but whatever they end up do, doing, uh, as long as the communication is good, uh, that's the key. Ryan is giving great feedback. Um, you know, sometimes you're listening to the radio and you're catching heat of the moment type of things, but uh, he does give good feedback on what he needs and how much of a problem it is to run the car faster. And the crew chief, you know, Todd especially, has been great to listen to because he can tell Ryan, well, part of it is this, or part of it is that. It's not just that we made the change, but, you know, the tires have been cycled uh, with two or three cautions or something like that, and expect the, t- the car to do this or that in the first couple laps, you know. So just all those kind of communications are, are, are going to be the key thing, and, and hopefully they find somebody who, uh, you know, is going to be great with starting a fresh notebook too because uh, next year, boom, new car, new setup, new situation, uh, new things to deal with is on how to how to make that car change and, and adapt. So, yeah. So looking forward to what they come up with. Wouldn't be upset if they brought Jeremy back to be Ryan's crew chief and put him back on top of the pit box. But some part of me kind of thinks it's going to be a, a somebody that might already be in house. That's a Team Penske engineer. This new car is going to be very very different, and also probably a big part 
about why Todd Gordon might be stepping away at this point, uh, kind of bowing out as the NASCAR goes into a brand new generation of race car. So one last thing maybe to kind of just bring up, you brought it up uh, when we were just starting uh, to talk about this week's episode was that Dave Blaney back out on a dirt track again. Obviously he ran during the Kings Royal weekend a couple of weeks ago. This time he was back at Port Royal Speedway, a track that he's won at recently. Um, from what I understand, he wasn't that successful of a weekend. He did win the B main to advance into the A main at Port Royal, but pulled off after a few laps into that race. So not exactly sure what happened there, but again, good news is anytime a Blaney hits the track, whether it's Ryan, whether it's uh, Buckeye bullet, Dave, whether it's uncle Dale, uh, it's a good race to be at. So excited to see what else Dave has uh, going on the rest of this year. Uh, you were just talking about, you know, the Knoxville nationals is out there, but um, definitely don't want to start any rumors on that. Cause uh, who knows what'll happen. So, um, but yeah, again, excited that we're back again with the podcast after a couple of weeks. Excited that NASCAR is back running this weekend at Watkins Glen. And excited for you guys to be back listening to us again. So just want to thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please go ahead and listen to our very first episode that dives deep into how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Team Blaney and more recently on Instagram. Also, just search Team Blaney. You can find us on there. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to the Team Blaney podcast on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify apps. And once again, to close out the show, we want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter at rbfamfoundation, on Facebook at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation, and they also are very active on Instagram. For my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels.